0: In the name of the living and loving God, amen. Well, who would have thought I'd be back so soon? But here I am, and in a way like Paul with the Thessalonians, I never really left. Like so many others who are in Michigan or have moved to Oregon and other faraway places, I'm still part of an all soul sacred ground group I read the Pathfinder, and I look forward to SoulCast every week. The opening verses of Paul's first letter to the Christians in Thessalonica says what I'm thinking and feeling. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that God has chosen you, because the message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You see, all soulsians, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope have been evident over the years. And most recently and profoundly in this time of pandemic, of fire and smoke, of exile from corporate worship and study and community, you have been steadfast. All of this reveals the strength of a life in Christ that is the same strength as a tree planted by the water that bears fruit even in a time of drought. In today's gospel, we are finally through the challenges to Jesus' authority and those violent parables. In today's gospel reading, we come back to basics, in which Jesus reminds us that everything, everything important, everything comes from this mandate. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love God with all our heart and soul and mind? In his new book, Love is the Way, presiding Bishop Curry writes, Love is the firm commitment to act for the well-being of someone other than yourself. It can be personal or political, individual or communal, intimate or public. Love will not be segregated to the private, personal precincts of life. Love, as I read it in the Bible, is ubiquitous. It affects all aspects of our life. So my friends, on this Pledge Sunday, let us consider how pledging is loving God with our heart and soul and mind and our neighbor as ourself. I'm sure you already know how pledging and proportional giving in particular are important spiritual practices, that they help us keep our priorities straight and reorder our lives in ways that are counter to the anxiety-producing consumerism of the world around us. So I call your attention to pledging as an act of love. It goes without saying that pledging is a way to show your love for this incredible parish and the people in it. As I've said before, you are a wonderful, loving, welcoming, generous, challenging, and gracious parish. Your ministry is amazing and your leaders are exemplary. The gifts you offer the world are important and you reveal the kingdom of God to the neighborhood and the world around you. You see, God has brought you to this community and so it turns out you want to support it. Its mission, its ministry, and the people who help make it happen. But we have to remember to give not as consumers who are paying for what we receive, but as people in gratitude for God's many blessings. Remembering that our souls, remembering that all souls is ours with no strings attached, whether we give or not. The giving is what we do out of gratitude not because we have to of course we know that we give as we give we become more invested and as we have more of a sense of belonging and investment we will become come to know that we are stewards of this holy community and of the body of Christ years ago i was at a conference with tom carson who was at the time the stewardship officer the Episcopal Church. He offered many words of wisdom that have nourished me over the years, but let's start with this one. God wants a tithe from us because that's how God can get a good grip on us. That's how God can get a good grip on us. I love this image because it reminds me of a mother kitten as she grabs her kitten, mother cat, as she grabs her kittens and hauls them off to some safe place away from all the people where she can nourish them and nurture them and keep them safe. Remembering Bishop Curry's description of love as a commitment to act for the well being of others, pledging and giving can be seen as an outward, invisible sign of loving. Giving of our time, our talent, our energy, our expertise, our attention, and yes, our treasure, is the outward and visible sign of our love for God, for all souls, and for the people that all souls serves. And that's not all. There is none. In Greek, the word we translate as blessed can also, and probably more accurately, translated happy. So when Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive, he may not be comparing values as much as he's comparing experiences, because giving brings joy. In the final week of the year of Matthew, we will hear the parable of the final judgment, the one in which Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats where the punchline is, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you cared for me. A prisoner, and you visited me. The kingdom, the banquet of rich foods and fine wine strained clear, the one where our enemies are our dinner partners, this kingdom is here for us right now in this time and place. This summer, I participated in this feast when I worked with the jambalaya and the sandwich ministries. By the way, The sandwich ministry is a perfect example of bearing fruit in a time of drought. It was so much fun to experience the community, the laughter and the joy we shared as we fed the hungry and prepared their food. You see, we enter the kingdom of heaven when we give of ourselves, our souls and bodies, of our resources and of our time and talent. For you see, giving is receiving. I have watched myself and others opening presents at Christmas. While the young children are thrilled by what they receive, as they and we grow older, we find the true and lasting joy is in watching someone happily receive the gifts of our thoughtfulness and our generosity. That's the joy that warms our heart. I find this to be true in my giving to God through the church as well. I am thrilled to participate with you in the work you are doing because I gave time and talent and treasure to all souls. And I am pleased to know that I too am part of this community. Happy are those who give. One more word from Tom Carson. He says that while God loves a cheerful giver, God will accept from a grump. Oh, this is so true. But I have learned in so many ways that giving begets joy. For instance, you heard my story this summer about acting in love with the demanding old lady. In those gifts of time and talent, I found joy and a deeper love within me and was transformed. What I have learned in so many ways is that it is giving itself that makes us cheerful. God grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and made me new and made me more whole. There is a truth in the adage that says, you cannot outgive God. Sarah Miles In her book, Jesus Freak, describes this perfectly. She writes, I know how grudging I can be. The spirit blew me somewhere I hadn't planned. I thought about the time I'd headed over to San Francisco General Hospital after work for a diocesan meeting on area ministry with others who were doing food pantries, hospital chaplaincy, community organizing. with It was all fine, but I was sick of everybody. I didn't have the energy to listen to interminable reports in church speak from inarticulate clergy or to the annoying church bureaucrat who tended to lecture us on process. I knew they were all well-meaning But I'd been at work since 7.30 in the morning, and I was not really looking forward to squirming in my chair like a fussy third grader through one more official presentation. I drove down to the hospital with Paul, who, because he is such a superior Christian, instead of a crabby, pathetic one like me, had baked a Texas sheet cake for the meeting. A sort of huge, low-class chocolate brownie with thick icing. I didn't care. I don't even care, I said to Paul. I just hope this is over soon. We got out of the car, carrying the cake and some plastic forks, and I was still grumbling. And then a woman, standing at the bus stop in front of the hospital, waved at us. Hey, what's that? she asked. She was a skinny woman with a big, toothy smile. It's a Texas she-cake, said Paul proudly. I didn't mean to, but I blurted out, you want some cake? Yeah, the woman said, oh yeah, that looks great. I haven't eaten all day. Paul got a little plastic fork, and I cut off a piece and handed it to her. And she ate it and said, wow, that's amazing. That is so good and we all laughed, and I went into that meeting feeling undeservedly, irrationably full of joy. I wasn't living in hell anymore, the hell I'd made for myself out of self-righteousness, self-pity and blame. I was instead at the feast prepared for everyone from the foundation of the world. God has given us so much and all of it out of love. May I encourage you to pray about your pledge in the context of this love and in the context of God's command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself because God loves us first. Consider a proportional gift, working towards, if you're not already there, a tithe. If you're already a tither, God will accept more. Consider an offering or a special gift or alms that you give directly to the poor. But the real question is where in your budgeting does this giving come? It may help to consider it at the beginning, starting with what you have received, reflecting on all that you have and all your blessings. And then consider what you want to give in light of that, in light of those blessings. And put your pledge at the top of your budget list. And as you work on your budget, The ideal gift that you have made may need to be adjusted because of previous commitments. But you start there, and you make it your goal for the years to come. Loving the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind must mean that God comes first and foremost. Blessedly, God understands and blesses our limitations, and we are blessed when God is first and foremost in our minds and hearts and souls. As you make your pledge, please remember giving is a blessing, giving is transformative, giving is receiving. May your lives be blessed by your generosity. As you make your commitment, let us pray. May the outrageous God who gives us everything accept us for who we are. May the word made flesh grab us and hold us near. And may the empowering and decidedly wild spirit Help us risk ourselves for love. And the blessing of God, creating, redeeming, and sustaining, be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you for inviting me to share the good news of God in Christ with you today. It's been a joy. Now, to your pledging. And back to live worship.